Welcome to Honest Money, your best guide to financial freedom. I'm Warren Ingram, the author of a few best-selling books, and I'm also an award-winning financial planner, and I've helped thousands of people on their journey to financial freedom. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I am here to share my experience and the best ideas that I've learned, and I hope these ideas help you on your journey to financial freedom. Welcome to another really great episode of Honest Money. Um, I'm, I'm really keen to, to have this conversation because it's, I think, fairly topical. Uh, we're we're going to be talking about how you stay invested or what you do when you are an investor and markets are falling and markets are going down and everyone's getting panicked and scared and nervous. So uh, I thought uh, there, there isn't, isn't a better person to speak to about this than, than one of my long-term colleagues, uh, y- Yolanda Boerter, who heads up the wealth business for Galileo Capital. And, and Yolanda um, specializes in, in, in helping um, you know, high-value investors uh, actually to do exactly this, to, to, to get invested and to stay invested for long periods of time in all market conditions. So I thought, you know, who, who better than, than the guru? So now we've got the guru. Yolanda, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you, Oren. Thank you for that compliment. <laughs> so, so I think, uh, you, you know, when we start with investing, um, it, you know, it's, much, it's, a, it's a really nice journey when you start with someone and you talk about how you're going to build their plan and how you're going to, uh, you know, roll out their investment strategy. And that's usually a lot more fun than than the conversation, uh, whether it's in three months, three years, or three decades later, when you've got to talk to them about their investments going down uh, and what they should be doing or not doing. So, so I thought, you know, it, it is topical. We, we've been dealing with this for years now, but I, I think especially since COVID, I mean, it's become you know a part of our lives. These big volatile markets. So, so what what, what is your experience in in, in dealing with uh, uh, investors at the, in these kinds of conditions? Yeah, absolutely, Warren. Um... And I think it does start with a plan and when you actually start your investing journey with with someone. Markets are volatile and what we do know is that we are going to have recessions in in any period of time. Um, and markets go down by quite a lot. So it is to prepare people to know that there are going to be times when they lose money. But it's one thing to know it. And, you know, in a rational way, and one thing and another, totally another, to feel it on an emotional level. And it's only when you've got money invested and you're going through a period like this where you feel it and where the emotions come into play. And then usually what we tell clients, what I tell uh, our investors, is that um, we know, we knew this is going to happen. Valuations were very high. Markets... Um, uh, you know, go into recession. So this was going to happen. And the first question I get then is, so why don't you take us out of the market? Why don't we go into cash? And that is possibly the worst question, right? So um, the thing with markets that's that's down is that hindsight is twenty twenty vision. Um, and the market is is forward-looking. So if we... If we did that, if we started changing clients' asset allocation, um, so you in equities and now suddenly we decide you have to go into cash, the, the probability of us getting it wrong is extremely high. If we look at what happened last year, it was very volatile. Um, the news were bad. And we would probably have gone out, say, in the middle of last year, and clients would have lost 
quite a bit of growth that happened in the last six months of last year. Um, and it's only in the beginning of this year that market's been down. So um, you you probably are in the South African market, you're actually still up over a year period. Um, and if we went into cash, you would have been down. Amazing. And, and I think that's maybe the, the, the thing about market timing, which is, you know, this is the crux of this. It's such a intuitive concept. It's such an easy thing to understand uh, once once markets have done what they're going to do. Uh, you know, as you say, hindsight is, you know, is always in favor of market timing. The, the reality of market timing is you've got to make three decisions to, to be a great market timer. You've got to decide when to buy. So you've got to buy assets when they're cheap. Then you've got to wait for them to rise and get expensive. Then you've got to sell when they're still expensive. And then you've got to wait for them to get cheap again. And then you've got to decide to buy. And I, you know, my own experience is that uh, people can be fairly good or fa- fairly reliable in terms of deciding when an asset is cheap. And, and they, can, they can be reasonably accurate in terms of finding an asset when an asset is expensive. But it's that last decision. It's to say it's gone from expensive and it's become cheap again and now is the time to buy. And that third decision is where professional and private investors seem to trip themselves up time and time again. And I agree with you. I mean, I think um, if, you, if you're going to practice market timing as an investment strategy, the likelihood is you will lose a lot of money uh, and, and enormous amounts of stress along the way. And, and someone who just rides out the markets ends up being, as you say, I mean, if you look at it over a year, you've had this huge roller coaster ride, but actually you're still up and you've done nothing. You've incurred no taxes for capital gains taxes. Yeah. You've got no transaction fees. So, so emotionally, a much better ride. And, and probability wise, you, you, you have a much higher probability of making money by not doing something than actually taking action. Yes, absolutely. The t- now, in times like this, the best thing you can do is sit on your hands and maybe don't look at your investments for a while. You know, there's so many articles and research done on losing out on the best days in the market. And there are studies that shows you if you've lost out over a 10-year period, um, you lost out on the 10 best days in that 10-year period, that your money would be half of what it but it is, you know, if you just stayed invested. And that's a huge loss to take. Crazy. And I looked at what the best days were, two of the best days, and one of them was in October 13, 2008. And the market jumped by 11.6%. Now, that was a very scary time. It was a global financial crisis. Banks were falling apart. The financial sector were going nowhere. You know, we thought it's, it's the end of the financial world. And we had the best day. In March 2020, middle of COVID, when the markets really were down and very volatile, we had a 9.4% day. Now, if you were out of the market and you missed that day, when you know, so are you going to get back in after that? And then you've lost a huge chunk of, of growth already. How do you get that back? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think um, we're not that... Uh... That we're not that good as as uh, as humans and as an industry to to know exactly w- when that des- best day is going to arrive in the in the bottom of a horrible market, you know, because it's usually a completely emotional reaction. You know, it'll be. Uh, I mean, I can't remember exactly why the market jumped in in in, the, in that COVID crash, but it will be something like the the American Reserve Bank saying. 
you know, we're going we're gonna to support the markets. Or there's a piece of research that says all the vaccines are working. And, and you know, if we get the vaccines into arms, we're going to end the, 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 the crisis. It's going to be something that's a piece of news that you can't predict that's going to force the markets up like a rocket. Uh, and if you're sitting on the sidelines waiting for things to get better, you've just watched the markets give you 10% that you didn't participate in. It's a, it's a horrible thing to miss out on. Yeah. And it's hard to get that growth back. You know, if you were in cash at that time. And and recessions can also last for a long period of time. I think people um, would, after the last one, um, would, would think that it is much shorter. Because um, in, during COVID, it was probably the fastest uh, downturn in the market and the fastest upturn again. But they can last for, a, for years. So just to keep that in mind, you know, and that you still... And, and when it becomes longer, it becomes more difficult to stay in. When it's a quick drop and it lasts for a few days and then you see some volatility coming back, so markets going up and down and up and down and suddenly it starts rising, it's a much better ride to have than this long, drawn-out thing where it's just going down all the time and you're just seeing your capital. It goes from 10% down to 20% down. 30% depending on your asset mix, you know, and depending on the markets where they go. That, that's hard. So, so I think you, you brought up a phrase there I do want to talk about is, is around asset mix. So, so maybe if you could just expand on that and what, what are you looking at when you're talking to, to investors about asset mix uh, and, and, you know, what, what do they focus on? What should they ignore? So it starts with your financial journey, just to make sure what your goals are, um, whether it's a short-term or long-term, but we're talking about long-term investing here. And then the risk profile of your client. Now, the risk profile encompasses about three aspects of it. So the one is your own tolerance. What risk can you take? What what would you be comfortable with? And comfortable, I'm saying, with... Um, Inverted commas, what you call them? <laughs> those things. Yeah, those things, yeah. Inverted commas, I think you're right. So because no one's comfortable when a market falls, right? So, um, but will you be okay if your capital is down 10%? Or can you only manage 5%? And will you stay invested in those times? That's really what it talks about. Um, so and the other one is your capacity for us. Do you have enough money? Do you have an emergency fund? Do you have other capital available to you so that you can handle lower um, markets, you know, where your, where your money is down 20%, say? Um, and the other one is what kind of risk do you need to take to get to your long-term goals? So sometimes you need to take a higher level of risk than what you would be comfortable with for your money to grow enough for it to, to um, handle your your long-term goals for you to get get there. Um, so what that means then is for some people, and usually younger investors, you can be 100% in, in equity or shares. That's your most volatile um, asset class, but it is the one that will give you the highest growth over long periods of time. Another client might be only be comfortable with about a 25% drop in their assets and they want the, they need to be in a balanced kind of portfolio. So that means that you have to have shares, but you also need property, bonds, and a little bit of cash to manage the downturns. And just to put that in perspective, markets are down 18% year to date and balanced portfolios are down about 9%, so half of that. 
So that's the kind of protection we get when you add cash and bonds and property to your portfolio. Um, But then, of course, on the upside, you're going to get a little bit less of the growth than someone that is 100% in shares. But it's to manage emotions and it's that thing to try and keep people invested. Um, it's, it's much better to stay invested long periods, over long periods of time than, than to get someone in, in just 100% shares with the highest growth, but they're going to get up, climb out of the market when markets are down. So that would be a mistake. Just on that, you know, when you talk about a balanced, uh, a balanced mandate, so, so typically your your allocation to shares, it's not like you've got a five percent allocation to shares. I mean, you're talking about a sixty or seventy percent allocation to shares, and and your real world uh, example there is that um, you know by having sixty or seventy percent of the stock market exposure, and then the balance in cash, bonds, and property, you're 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 you're, you're losing half of what everyone else is losing by being a hundred percent in shares. That's a massive difference, and I think that you know, and I think it's important to land that because when markets are doing really well and FOMO kicks in, you know, and everyone's you know worried about missing out on the on the on the rising markets, then they'll gladly take a hundred percent of their money and go into shares, uh, you know, because they don't want to miss out on that extra two or three percent of growth per year that that they would get from purely being in shares. But but I mean, your example there is you know is, is powerful that actually. Uh, take a little bit less exposure to shares, get most of the growth of the stock market, and when times are bad, and and this is this is one of those times are bad now, uh, you, you know you're only losing half of what everyone else is losing, and I think that's a I mean that's a powerful way to stay invested when when, when you're you know worried about markets, you've got money in, and you're looking around and everyone else is panicking, and you're saying, well I'm okay, I've only lost half of the of what other investors have lost. Yeah, exactly, and I think for a few um, investors, even 65% usually sounds like a high quantity to have in shares or in a growth asset. Um, when they, and especially in markets like this, where you should be going in, <laughs> it, it feels a little bit uncomfortable. But um, pension funds, just maybe to talk about that, they, they can go up to 75%, and that's still a very prudent um, kind of asset mix to have. Um, where you know you've got lots of protection in your capital. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, I think that's an uh, important point as well, is that, you know, uh, I mean, 75% feels, uh, to some people who don't understand markets, that will feel like a huge amount. But actually, you know, if if that's what a pension fund is allowed and they're paying out income to pensioners, then it gives you a nice perspective that actually that's not a ridiculous allocation to shares at all. No, and it gives you good protection still in markets like these. So, so I think um, we, we, we are already out of time. Um, um, I think we, we, we're actually bl- blown our time already. So um, such, such an important and I think re- relevant conversation. So th- thank you very much for, for joining us, Yolanda. And uh, you know, I think just to summarize for, for people who are invested now and, and seeing markets go down, the, the, the trick there is make sure you've got the right mix of assets, that right combination of cash, bonds, property, and shares. Ma- make sure that when you invest, uh, you, you are investing money for long periods of time. And long periods of time are 
at least five years and longer. It's not five days or five weeks, it's five years and longer. And, and then lastly, you, you've got to make sure that you try and protect yourself from uh, making market timing decisions. You, you, can't, you can't go into this thinking, I'll just chop and change my investments when, when I see things changing in the markets because actually what you need to know is you, you're going to get it wrong. You know, everybody does. It's not, not a reflection on you. It's a reflection on, on the entire markets and how crazy they are and how quickly they can turn. So if you can do that, those are probably the three keys to being a successful long-term investor. And and we heard it here on Honest Money from one of the gurus. So Yolanda, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Warren. Thank you for listening to Honest Money. If you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon.